1: michelle bonds from mustang heritage foundation
0: and i'm alex Capert, also from the mustang heritage foundation and you're listening to the monthly mustang heritage foundation episode of horses in the morning on the horse radio network for march the 2nd this episode is brought to you by the blm wild horse and burrow program good morning horse world the first tuesday of the month is all about america's horse the mustang hosted by the mustang heritage foundation
1: In this episode, we are going to learn a little bit about how you can get involved with Mustangs. We're going to talk to two really accomplished horsewomen and Mustang owners, Rebecca Bowman and Elisa Wallace, about their experiences with Mustangs and competing in Mustang events and non-Mustang events. So we're going to talk about what's been happening, what we've been up to in the last month, and what's coming up. Alex, what have we been up to?
0: Oh, all sorts of stuff. You know, we are living with this wonderful thing called COVID. Um, So unfortunately, we've had to take our Kentucky Extreme Mustang uh, makeover. Uh, to a virtual format, which we're we're sad about. We wish we could see everyone's smiling faces, but we're really, really excited that we're still able to host this great event. Uh, we're going to be able to have an even further, broader reach and competitors from all across the country. Um, and we've had a phenomenal response from our fans and supporters and trainers. Uh, Michelle, you and your team have done an outstanding job of getting the word out and, and keeping everyone happy. Uh, so excited that we're going to be able to do the event at all. Uh, really we're very, very excited, um, that we'll be able to further share what, uh, a Mustang makeover looks like with our compulsory classes, our preliminary classes and our top 10 freestyle. Um, so be sure to look for details as we get a little closer to that event at the end of June, um, and how to watch on Facebook and or our website, there's going to be a lot of details coming out. Uh, and if you're interested in becoming, um, an adopter or a purchaser, uh, be sure to watch for auction details. We will be hosting a live auction uh, at the end of the virtual event there at the end of june so uh, i would encourage anyone and everyone i'll uh, go out and get your bidder number what does it hurt you might see something that you really enjoy and uh, you know everyone loves a good auction so that's been a, a big development for us uh, here over the last month. Uh, another real big thing we have going on are our applications for our Oklahoma and New Jersey events. And I know, Michelle, you and your team have been working on that quite a bit. Those event applications are closed. Uh, but what else can you tell us about those upcoming Oklahoma and New Jersey events? So
1: we're really um, planning still, hopefully that these events will be in person in Oklahoma City and then Logan Township, New Jersey. We have a ton of applicants for these, so we are really excited about these events. Um, something exciting about Oklahoma City—I'm going to spill a little secret—is that we are also having an open show with this event. So any BLM Brandon Mustang can actually compete in this open show. So if you are interested in Competing in Oklahoma City during the Extreme Mustang makeover, you didn't sign up for the actual makeover itself, you can still come and compete. Watch the Extreme Mustang makeover, compete with your Mustang, basically have a ton of fun. Uh,
0: a couple of really important things with what you just said, just kind of echo that. Um, BLM Branded doesn't have to have gone through any MHF programs, it just has to have a freeze mark on it. So that's really, really exciting. Uh, and it's also been, oh gosh, I guess three or four years since we had our last in-person open show. So we're, I'm extremely excited about that. Uh, I know there's a lot of folks that are really, really looking forward to it. So um, we've had a couple of big developments here over the last month, and I uh, can't wait to keep on getting these horses home.
1: I would also um, say that the if you have not been to an Extreme Mustang makeover, I started right when COVID started also <laughs> so i've never actually got to go to an in-person extreme mustang makeover but while we're disappointed that kentucky has gone virtual this is an awesome opportunity if you're interested in the events if you've never seen one to like alex said check us out on facebook follow us on our website and get to experience this without really having to travel or commit to to uh, participating in the event itself you can get a real feel for how the um what the extreme mustang makeovers are like and you can follow along on that auction it was live last time and it was super exciting
0: it it was very 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 exciting uh so the last thing that i kind of wanted to spill the beans on if you will um if you are looking to learn more about MHF and what we do and all of our different programs and how you can get involved, uh, look for us at Road to the Horse. We're very excited to be partnered with the Road to the Horse team, um, and we will have a presence up there during the competition at the end of March at the Fort Worth Stockyards. Um, So be sure to stop by and say hi. You know, Michelle, one thing that you and I have talked about and, you know, the team here in the office gets a lot of questions about is, you know, I've got a Mustang. I've gone through your program's Or, you know, I've, I've gone and I've adopted or I've purchased now what?
1: So, yeah. So, um, this is a great question that we get all the time and there's actually tons of things that you can do with your Mustang. Um, just like any horse, you can compete in open shows, non-breed specific, um, associations. We have open shows. Like we said, we're having the one in Oklahoma city. We're having a couple virtual events coming up, um, this year as well. You can find details about those on our website and then we are also super excited. I think this is one of the coolest things that we are are announcing is we just partnered with the Stock Horse of Texas Association. So this partnership is actually going to provide incentives to Mustangs that compete in shot shows. So these are going to be high placing awards. You can win anything from a saddle to a buckle to a jacket. And then we also have a participation incentive of fifteen hundred dollars. So if you just go to and compete in three shot shows with your BLM Brandon Mustang, you can be entered basically into a pot to win fifteen hundred dollars,
0: which is really really exciting. You know, we really are helping and hoping to uh, get the word out that you know a Mustang. The The only difference between them and a regular domestic horse is they've got a freeze mark. Um, you know, they can compete in just about anything and everything. Uh, we actually will be speaking with a couple of wonderful horsewomen here a little later on in the episode uh, that have done many, many different things. Uh, so really helping to change that paradigm. And I would really encourage any of our listeners that are interested, you know. Check out an open show or check out the shop partnership and see how you can get plugged in. Um, Another really exciting thing that uh, I think is a lot of fun to watch. I don't know, Michelle, if you've had the opportunity to check it out, but um, our partnership with the EXCA. So we actually, for the third or fourth year now, uh, have a partnership with the Extreme Cowboy Race Association and we have an Extreme Mustang race. Uh, So we have a $10,000 added side pot uh, for. Mustangs that are competing in that world show that'll be in Glen Rose, Texas here at the, uh, early part of November in 2021. So very, very excited about all those different things. Um, if you ever got any questions about how you can get plugged in, be sure to, to reach out, um, uh, via Facebook or give the, the office a call. Uh, we'd love to talk with you. Let's, let's figure out a way for you to get your Mustang, get it home and then get it plugged in.
1: Yeah. And I think Alex, um, one of the, our guests later on in the episode has actually competed in an EXCA. Um, I, like you said, I think these events are so neat. Um, 10,000 added is awesome for a side pot. So if you have a Mustang, you definitely want to check this out. Hey, we're going to hear from Rebecca Bowman and Elisa Wallace next, right after I tell you a little bit about the BLM wild horse and burrow program. The Wild Free-Roaming Horses and Burrows Act of 1971 entrusts the BLM with the responsibility to manage and protect wild horses and burrows on the nation's public lands. Because wild horses and burrows are federally protected and lack natural predators, the BLM must manage population growth to ensure healthy wild horses and burrows thrive on healthy public rangelands. To accomplish this mission, the BLM regularly monitors herd size and health, land health, vegetation quality, and water availability. And, when necessary, removes excess animals from the range to achieve balance. The BLM then works to place excess wild horses and burrows into qualified private care through adoptions and sales. You can learn more about the BLM Wild Horse and Burrow Program by searching Wild Horse and Burrow Program at blm.gov.
0: So we're very excited to introduce uh, Rebecca Bowman. She is a tip challenge manager and former EMM competitor out of Tennessee. And Alisa Wallace, who has also competed in both EMMs and our tip program. Uh, She's out of the Ocala, Florida area. So how are you guys doing this morning?
2: Uh, Doing great, thank you.
0: I'm
3: great. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us. I know uh, both of you have been involved with MHF and our programming for many, many, many years, and we thank you for all your support uh, and everything that you've done. Uh, So I guess Rebecca and Elisa, obviously, we've kind of got a a series of questions, and I'd love to get some input and feedback from you guys and your experience. Um, So Rebecca, How did you get involved with horses, and and what is your background in the equine industry? How did you get plugged into Mustangs?
3: Well, I grew up um, with horses. I got my first horse before I was one, Um, growing up in Australia, and we did everything in the world with horses. And when I came over here, I watched someone do a Mustang makeover, and uh, I decided to give it a try back in 2010. And 2009 on 10 was my first Mustang makeover in Colorado and it was a lot of fun and you know how Mustangs are, you can't have just one.
0: Very, very cool. So 2009, so you've been around the block once or twice with us here at uh, MHF. So, um, so that was your first makeover. So, so what decided or, or what triggered you to, to go ahead and, and get involved with Mustang? So you went to the makeover. What, what was the draw?
3: You know, I went to the, I think that probably the biggest draw was the friends. I'm still friends with people I met at my first makeover. And um, it's just such a great atmosphere and you learn so much. Um, so I think within a week of, of getting home from that first makeover, I'd signed up for another one. and um, And there you go. You just have to, I try to limit myself now to one every year. Once you start, you just can't stop getting more Mustangs.
0: Alisa, you know, obviously you've got some uh, experience in the equine industry yourself. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got plugged in with Mustangs.
2: Uh, Well, I was a trainer's child. So my dad uh, rode and trained horses and we did three-day eventing. um, And I became friends with Rebecca through our farrier, Chase New. Yeah, I had followed Rebecca, actually, watching her do the mustangs and stuff. And we, we were good friends. And there was one year where I had a couple of my event horses were sidelined with the injury. And, um, I guess there was a makeover in South Carolina and Rebecca said that she had signed me up pretty much while uh, she was at, while she was out of the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she, she basically signed me up. And I had to uh, do that, but it was on the bucket list to do. I always wanted to train a Mustang. It was, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that. sure. Like, that'll be great for my business to show people that I can train a Mustang. You know, I'm not going to get attached to it, so it should be fine. And then lo and behold, (laughs) with your first Mustang, you get attached to it. And Fledge is still the best one I think I've ever had.
0: Well, that, that, uh, that personal connection that you make with those horses as you go through this process is uh, pretty outstanding. Uh, I, I can definitely, I can agree with that wholeheartedly. So, so Rebecca signed you up, voluntold you, if you will. Um, it sounds like you had a good experience. Um, so what have you gone on to do with your, your Mustangs after the makeovers? Have you only competed in makeovers or have you done things further on with them?
2: Um, well the first makeover I did with Fledge I ended up winning it so that definitely helps with the bug um, and then I proceeded to do a couple I did the million makeover that was in 2013 and then I ended up doing the mare mat them at the time it was like the mare magic Mustang magic uh, which I got a mare that I named win and uh, she went on to compete all the way up to the prelim level in eventing and uh, now Mustangs, fledge and Rune, um, we go around and do demos to show people and advocate for the Mustangs that, you know, they're talented, athletic, useful horses, because sometimes people don't necessarily think that. Um, they just see them as like a range rat type stereotype, but they're um, very athletic. And my goal is to get a Mustang to the upper levels of eventing one day. Um, I currently have five. <laughs> Um and I've also really so I've done the the makeovers the extreme makeovers but I really enjoyed the tip challenges uh that Rebecca has put on and I think the tip challenges are really super for people just getting into Mustang because it's a little bit um the lower of the pressure side because you don't have to ride the horses it's all in hand and what's really nice about that program is that you the horses don't have to go into auction. It can be really tough. Um, I know it was for me. I was boohooing like a baby uh, on my first makeover because I wanted to keep my horse, but they have to go through the auction. They have to be put through for the public uh, for the extreme makeovers. And that's just one thing I really um, kind of prefer that I have, a ch- I have the choice with mine when I do the tip and I can be really picky about the home that I want my horses to go through. So, I actually have had a couple of students and um, that where I've been able to introduce them to their first Mustang and we use the competition and then um, we're able to then kind of decide if we want to keep those horses or, you know, uh, find the perfect adopter for them. And so we can help more Mustangs.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So um, I guess how many tip challenges have you competed in Alisa?
2: Um. Rebecca's done more than me. I've done, I've done two, three. I well, I didn't compete in the last one, but I did, did get a Mustang. More than, for it. yeah, you did. You, you did more than more
3: than one horse in some of them also.
2: But yeah. So I've done a, a total of four Mustangs for the tip challenges, and then I forget how many horses I've done. One, two, three, four, five, six uh, horses for the extreme makeovers. So what's Aaron almost 10 when it comes Enough to makeovers to- and the challenges.
0: Enough to keep you busy for sure. For sure. Yeah. Now, Rebecca, so I know you've uh, obviously produced several of the tip challenges and have you ever had the opportunity to actually compete in one yourself or have you always just been on the production side?
3: I have not ever competed in a tip challenge. Um, I have competed in the Mustang, uh, extreme cowboy race, which was a lot of fun, but I have not got to compete in a tip challenge.
0: Well, maybe, maybe you can add that to your bucket list, but, but what's it, what's it like to produce a a tip challenge? I mean, is it for anyone? Is it for everyone? I mean, kind of walk us through the audience and kind of what happens with a tip challenge.
2: I'm just going to say Rebecca is a little bit of a magician to get people to do things for her. (laughs) Just saying. It's hard to say no. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
3: it's, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is just getting the word out there about the Mustangs and Elisa helps with that a lot. Um, because so many people are hesitant to try it, but, uh, like Elisa said, you know, once you have one Mustang, you want more. So I I would say three quarters of my tip challenge competitors are people who, um, repeat offenders, if you'll say, that just have to do another one and another one and another one. And, uh, anyway, producing a tip challenge is a lot of fun. Um, you know, start with finding, finding somewhere to have it. And, um, and finding judges, and I try to put everything into my tip challenges that, as a competitor, I would I would want to have.
0: How big are are the tip challenges that you uh, have produced? I mean, how big? I mean, are they are they two people? Are they two hundred people? I mean, does it run the whole gamut? Kind of walk me through that.
3: Well. My Georgia tip challenge is typically around 100 people. This year, I am doing uh, one at Equine Affair, and of course, Equine Affair canceled, but I'm still having mine in person in Kentucky in April. Um, Equine Affair, I've done that, this is my second time, and I did Midwest Horse Fair before that. Uh, We were a little limited on stall numbers at the competition, so we limited those tip challenges to 50. Um, I'm very excited this year to be adding two more tip challenges, um, One in, uh, three more. One in Tennessee in uh, July, one in Georgia in September, and in South Carolina in November. So I'm hoping I can get close to 100 with all of those. I think more and more people are hearing about Mustangs and wanting to give it a try.
2: And there's good prize money as well uh, for the – those makeovers and um as well as rebecca sorry to interject but she also hosts uh the open mustang shows so it's really fun for me because i'm able to bring all of my mustangs and compete with them in the open shows as well and like i said there it's fun because there's a fair amount of prize money and then also to see a lot of our friends that we make uh the mustang family is quite large so it's it's a really fun time
1: um, Rebecca, what kind of com- what level of competitors do you see that compete in the tip challenges? Typically, are they, you know, higher in you know people that are competing in equine events all the time? Are they, you know, just beginners? Do they kind of run the whole um, gamut there? Honestly, we
3: we have people from all the way across the board. We we have uh, competitors like Masha Masha Sap and Alisa Wallace who are at the top of. Um, you know, experienced competitors. And we have we have new people who typically every tip challenge, I have a few people who are really just beginners to horses, period. And um, it's really fun. You know, some of the parents get into it maybe that have watched their kids compete for years. Uh, Elizabeth D did one of my tip challenges and she'd been hauling her girls around to challenges for more than 10 years. And she finally had the opportunity to give it a try herself. So we really get a great mix of people, um, youth and adults, um, age eight and up. And we typically have 20 to 30 youth and uh, you know, 60 to 70 adults. And like I said, it's a lot of fun. There's, there's probably three quarters amateurs and 25% professionals.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to say, like, the toughest competitors are the juniors that have just aged out, and then they have to compete against me. I'm not – that's the hard part. <laughs> the juniors have been doing all the makeovers and stuff. They've been doing all the enhanced stuff for a while, and so they they typically have an edge up on us. So, but, yeah, I would say it's about right.
0: So, I got a question.
3: My A uh, question.
0: Oh, I got a question for you. Sorry to jump in there, Rebecca, but you know, so, and this is for both Rebecca and Elisa, you know, what, what are the, the tips to success? I mean, what makes a successful, um, training environment or relationship with these horses to really prepare for these tip challenges? I mean, what, what, what are some successes and some pitfalls? I mean, what do people run into?
3: Yeah, when Elisa and I lived close together and, Either one of us had a Mustang. We were constantly hauling over to the other one's place. I think when you get a Mustang uh, that you, you know you're going to compete with in 100 days, I think it's important for it to go places and see lots of things. And uh, We did a lot of putting our heads together with other trainers, getting together very often. If, if I had a tough one, I'd call Elisa and say, what do I do with it now? And we'd put our heads together and, and figure it out. Um, and that's the great thing again about the Mustang community everyone's willing to help
2: each other sometimes it's hard because especially the it, it's easy to fall into the newbies and even the old season competitors it's easy to judge yourself about what people post on Facebook and we all know that it's not everything is uh, roses and cherries uh, especially when you're training wild horses and so it's It's easy to get sucked into um, kind of comparing yourself uh, to what is on the internet. And really, it's about the relationship with your horse and providing a good foundation of training for the horse, because in the end, that's what we're doing it for. It's for the horses. And to have fun with it, to enjoy the journey. And for me, every horse, every Mustang I do, they're, they're a teacher for me. And I'm always trying to improve my horsemanship and to get better, and to learn new things, so that's kind of how I see it when I have a really difficult horse. Uh, One of my most difficult Mustangs I've ever had was uh, in the Tip Challenge last year, or the year before, Um, and now he's turning out to be a fantastic inventor, but it was a little dicey, um, you know, getting him to the Tip Challenge, where I was like, well, if I can just get there, that'd be great, but I'm not going to expect to win, unlike one I've had before where I'm like, yeah, okay, I can go in there to win on this one. So, again, it's just about the horses and doing what's right for them. And um, I, for me, anyways, like enjoying the journey and the process, and it comes with the whole slew of emotions. And, and uh, in the end, though, looking back, seeing how far you've come is really one of my favorite parts.
1: Hey, Lisa, I have a question kind of going off of what you are saying and how much, you know, the, it's about the relationship between you and the horse at the end of the day. What is the biggest thing that you think that you've learned from Mustangs in, in general, like training Mustangs versus training domestic horses? Is there, or is there a difference?
2: Because there is and there isn't. You know, in the, in the, when it comes down to it, a horse is a horse. But Mustangs, once once you have a horse, that takes their fear of being, uh, being a wild horse and takes their fear and sets that aside and then gives you everything, there's nothing else like that. It may take, and sometimes that happens in the first 30 days. Sometimes that takes two years to get with a wild horse. Sometimes you may never, but there's, that once you have that, there's literally like, it'll make me tear up because there's like
1: nothing else. It's like magic. That's, re- that's really neat. I mean, honestly, that just kind of gave me chills. Just thinking about you, the way that you just put that, the perspective you put that in of that horse literally setting aside their fear for you, that that's amazing.
2: Fledge was a pretty incredible first Mustang for me. And, um, he actually was a stallion when I got him, which was a whoop dude. Um, but, and then carrying fast forwarding that to one of my toughest, Mustangs Eton who, you know, has such a high flight drive and so hard but go- you can see him trying so hard to fight those instincts sometimes just to like be with me and to do what I act and that's once you take the weight of that and you're like, Oh whoa, I need to pet my horse right now, thank you. Like like it's just yeah, I don't know. That's just what they've taught me anyway. You
3: know, I kind of feel like along with of course, what Elisa said. But mustangs, I think, learn a lot faster than domestic horses. And yeah, uh, for sure. I really try to make an effort to teach them the right way the first time. Um, you know, they learn the bad just as fast as they learn the good. And it's it's important, I think, that you get it right the first time because they such they just take everything in so
0: quickly. And this is for both you, uh, Elisa and, and Rebecca. You know, w- what would you tell someone that's on the fence? You know, they want to compete. You know, they've heard about Tip, they've heard about Mustangs. They're on the fence. They're thinking about it. W- what advice would you give them?
2: Do it.
3: Do it. Everyone needs to do just it. give it a try. It'll change your life. Everyone who who gets their first Mustang just Talk to them a year later and every single person will say that it just changed their whole life. Mm -hmm. So I have a youth right now that is keeping her horse at my farm and, uh, they were not horse people, lived in town, never handled horses, and she's about a month away from her first tip challenge. And her, her parents were talking to me the other day and just said how it's changed their entire family. It's, It's changed their whole life. They now go to spend the weekends at the farm instead of in front of the computer screen. Oh, it's just such a life-changing event. I know it was for me, and you too, Alisa.
2: Oh yeah, like I never dreamed that I would be where I am with Mustangs. Like that wasn't on the trajectory, but it sure has. Those they have done so much for me in my career, for sure, and. And uh, they're just such cool horses that it's, it's an opportunity. And to um, so like I said, for my, from my perspective, it's the opportunity to kind of better myself and to learn. And so if someone's sitting on the fence, I'm just going to tell them to do it because you're going to learn. And, and the thing about a lot of people get a little afraid because they uh, feel alone, but you can always, there's a large group of people on Facebook and uh, really working on the networks of being able to pick up somebody. And, you know, I have a network of people where I have trouble with a horse and I'll call up Rebecca or my friend Cindy and be like, try to pick their brain. Um, so there's, it's a very accepting community to be a part of. And, and it's an incredible opportunity to kind of
3: I learn from. I remember Elisa saying to me uh, a couple of years ago that she never thought she was going to get to go to her first world championships with a Mustang.
0: Would you yeah. say that working with Mustangs has actually improved your horsemanship?
2: No, oh, absolutely. Hands down. Patience, perspective. I mean, when you're working with a Mustang and you, if you have a timeline, for <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know they they teach you how to uh, take a step back, take a deep breath because there's some like, yeah, you you have to take the time that it needs to do it right.
1: One of the things that um you both just touched on um was sort of the support within the the Mustang community. And that's something that i've I've seen. I'm in a couple different Mustang groups on Facebook, um just for my position. and it's always really interesting to me to see how much people help each other in those groups. I'm obviously in other groups for the, for other parts of the equine industry. And I don't think you see the level of like actual help that you see in the Mustang groups. And I've seen, I don't know if these are created by the tip challenge managers or just the tip challenge competitors, but groups for some of the tip challenges as well. And I see people posting in there like, oh, I'm having this issue with my horse. Um, And I actually see people commenting like, okay, we'll try this. Have you tried this? Here's my experience. And I think that's something that's really neat. Do you think that's something that's kind of unique to the Mustang world?
2: Um, I feel like the Mustang world is, it is, but it's also similar to venters. I feel like, um, Ventors are a little bit that way because when it comes down to it, uh, you're going to be in a situation and, you know, if you have the opportunity to help somebody, you should take it because there's going to be a time where you're going to need the help too. So it's kind of like a, a uh, sending it forward type of thing, I feel like. But I know that anybody who's had a Mustang <laughs> knows So we're all there to kind of help. (laughs) My um, second
3: Mustang makeover, I had a particularly tough Mustang. And I think I made a comment at the end of that makeover that I wasn't sure if I'd try it again. And uh, a couple of my friends looked at me and they said, pick up the next one and bring it to our place and we'll help you get started. And uh, of course I did. And of course my... That next Mustang was the easiest Mustang I've ever had.
0: All right. So, Rebecca, what would be your top piece of advice for someone that is planning to compete?
3: Um, I would say go online and watch Elisa's videos and watch all the videos you can watch. Um, And there's a lot of them out there of the tip challenges or makeovers, whatever it is you're going to compete in.
0: And uh, Alisa, and how about you? What what would be your top piece of advice for someone who's looking to compete?
2: You know, I've said it kind of before, enjoy the process and, um, and yeah, the best part is to document it because it's really fun to document as you go and then you're able to look back and see how far you and your horse have come. Um, I know that's kind of the biggest reason why I've done it. It was just kind of for me, but it's really fun to go back and be able to watch all my horses when they were wild and dragging me around to then they're happy and smiling at me, waiting, nickering for their dinner, you know, things like that. So uh, it can be about the little things that that can make big moments in it and to make sure that you appreciate those.
0: Well, thank you both so much for all your time today. Uh, if Folks were interested in touching base with you or, or learning more about what you've done. um do you have a website or a Facebook that they could check out? Rebecca? Yes, yeah, so
3: mine is full creek dot com or full creek Foles equestrian Facebook page
0: excellent excellent and, and Lisa, how about you how what if folks are interested in learning more about what you've done with your mustangs?
2: uh yep, yeah, so I have my website wallaceventing.com, but I'm also on all the social media on YouTube at Wallace Eventing, and then Facebook and Instagram and Twitter as well at Wallace
0: Eventing. Well, thank you again, both of you, for all of your support and participation in all of our programs and helping get Mustangs placed into private care. We sure appreciate all the work that you've done and continue to do uh, and can't wait to see you at one of these uh, tip challenges that you got going on this year.
1: You can find the Mustang Heritage Foundation at MustangHeritageFoundation.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Mustang Heritage Foundation and Extreme Mustang Makeover. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Again, we want to say thanks to our sponsor, the BLM Wild Horse and Burrow Program. And here's to hoping you get to bring a Mustang home.